Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host. Uh, we have been doing this now for about 13 years, and you know, uh, between Kathy and I, we've been developing leaders and to be in the top 10%, and we probably have developed about a thousand, uh, thousands of leaders between the two of us, and so what we've been working on these days is our, our book that has just come out, uh, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Fearless and Stressless Life. And so we're really focusing on emotions, feelings of top performers. We have a top performer here today, Greg Tracy, who is a professional stuntman. I'll bring him on in just a moment, but it's really you know, exciting to hear about some of the performances, things he's done, and then how has he kind of geared himself up to do that. Uh, he's got a, a great resume of stuff, so I'm excited to talk with Greg. I'll talk with uh, about that in just another couple of minutes. But so why are we talking about emotions? Why are we talking about understanding emotions? Well, we all have them, but often we're not really uh, clear how to deal with them. They can be really challenging. And so the goal in our book, An Emotional Brilliance, is really looking at how do you na- notice and name them? How do you accept them? How do you manage them? How do you express them? So we have this acronym that we talk about, NAME, N-A-M-E. And so with these emotions, um, being able to label it, stay with it, and then manage it depending on uh, what's going on. How do you want to deal with it? And then do you express it or do you not express it? And if you choose to express it, how do you do it so it gets delivered well? And this idea of your go-to, and I'll be asking Greg a little bit about this. Your go-to, what is your go-to? If there's a big challenge, if there's something that you're involved with, we've all been involved with the COVID pandemic, and we probably have a variety of different challenges. Uh, it may be the stress of being home with your family and dealing with more emotions. It may be trying to deal with uh, at work by uh, being at home and, and sheltered in. So emotions are going to be even more heightened, um, and there are probably more of them. So this whole idea through the uh, pandemic that we're doing with our book, Emotional um, Brilliance, which you can get uh, from Amazon and go to uh, Emotional Brilliance is the title, or you go to our website, www.eb, standing for Emotional Brilliance, Life. Dot com, eblife.com. So the go-to is this thing that's going to allow you to rise to the occasion. And so we'll hear this from Greg. Let me tell you a little bit about him now. <clears throat> Greg Tracy, known as GT for Greg Tracy, is one of the leading stunt drivers in the motion picture and commercial industry. He's more recently worked as Matt Damon's stunt double in the movie Ford and Fiari. Uh, that just came out this year, so hopefully some of you saw that. We'll hear a little bit about how that works. Some of the other credits are in some of the movies, uh, Black Panther, Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious, and looks like 
uh, a bunch of the Fast and Furious ones, Talladega Nights, Dukes of, of Hazard. He's also worked on the Bourne uh, Ultimatum, which he won a World Stunt Award. I'm going to ask Greg, so what did he actually do to do that? Uh, he's constantly pushing the envelope of risk versus reward, why it kind of fits perfectly with what we're talking about around emotional brilliance. And in addition, he's raced the Pikes Peak Hill Climb 19 times, winning America's second oldest race seven times. So we'll hear a little bit more about that. He's the only person to break the infamous 10-minute barrier at Pikes Peak on both the motorcycle and on uh, in a car. Uh, in 2012, he was awarded the Guinness World Book of Records for driving a life-size Hot Wheels car through a seven-story loop uh, at the X Games. And he's also then driven in the Baja 1000, which is completed close to uh, 10,000 miles racing down at the Baja. So we're not on the set, because I know he's been sheltered in now. Um, he's pursuing some other business interests, uh, including founding and leading an education certification company in the medical cannabis industry. So, Greg, so thanks so much for being a part of this. Welcome. No, thanks so much. It's it's exciting to get a chance to talk to you. It's interesting how uh, how we met on a plane, and here we are, uh, probably in two different parts of the state anyway, getting a chance to right. talk about some things I think we, find, we both find very interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, I was going to – to go skiing with my buddies. That was the last time I was on a plane. And uh, you were heading to Steamo Springs. So, uh, have you been traveling since then? Because that was the last plane trip I took. You know, I'm trying to think on the exact date on that. I think I ended up going to what was probably the last sporting event, which was the UFC fight in Vegas, which I believe was March 8th. And I had yeah. one trip uh, in between there to Houston. Uh, on, a, on You know, traveled, flew, flew to that. And that was it. Otherwise... I've been sitting yeah. in the exact same spot now for 67 straight days. <laughs> wow. Well, so <laughs> one of the things, I know you're there with your family because we talked a little bit before. Um, so tell me, you know, we have some of the questions uh, that I want to kind of zero in on. But so how is it going for you? Like what, what would you say are, you heard my intro about kind of emotions and, and you know, it's, it's heightened now. So what would you say uh, are kind of the emotions you and your family are all having now? With the COVID pandemic, uh, well, for us, we, as a family, we probably look at things different sometimes. Uh, overall, for me, if there's something that I don't have much control over, for example, the kids' schools getting closed down, or in the case of the stunt business, completely uh, being shut down for for the last uh, seventy days, we decided to we head up to a uh, vacation spot that we have, which is really just a small trailer on the Arizona-California border. And we packed up thinking that we were going to be here for a week. We actually left before they decided to close down the schools, thinking, hey, if they're, if they're talking about closing down the schools, there might be something bigger here than, than what we're getting. So let's just leave. Let's get let's let things uh, settle yeah. a bit, and then we'll come back a week later. Well, 67 days later, we're still here. Wow. And, um, you know, I almost I, it's one of those things, again, if you can't control what's happening, yep. it's it's best to try to put yourself in a position or a place where you you, you know you you can. And so for yeah. us, this has always been my family's place, including my parents and my my brother. Sort of our go-to if things went bad 
on a economic uh, war or whatever kind of craziness might happen, this is the place we'd end up. Yeah, so luckily yeah. we have a ski boat and motorcycles and off-road cars and um, <laughs> a lot of life lessons for the kids. We're trying to do online schooling with very limited internet, but uh-huh. spending a lot of time um, just as a family. That's so that's so cool. And I think you said you have two you have two kids uh, who are there with you now, right? Yeah, two kids and, a, and an older third one, a twenty-two year old who's who's been coming up and a little bit here and there. Um, you know, one thing I was going to mention earlier when we were talking to get a chance to say, but I think for me, probably the biggest thing that's come out of this, and I would say for my family as well, is our pace is so fast uh, when when we're back in. Uh, you know, Southern California, I'm constantly jumping back and forth from set, got multiple business things happening, you know, trying to manage uh, our kids and all their sporting events and school events and um, charity stuff and my wife, uh, her business. It it just becomes completely overwhelming. I think a lot of times until you step out of that yeah. bubble, and this is the first time I've ever had this opportunity to have 60 straight days of really just being devoted to uh, making sure everybody's healthy and happy and that, you know, we're staying active and eating right, um, I feel like uh, there's a new clarity in my life. And I think even from perspective of, of not needing so much, you know, we've, like I mentioned, we've, we were only coming up for a week, so we have a week's worth of clothes that we've had for 67 days. And I think this is probably the first time in our life that we've had leftovers, um, you know, fairly regularly. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it, it is the, the kind of learning, you know, I'm, I'm in and out of organization, so it's Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and we're doing a lot of kind of training and things around resilience and, you know, dealing with grit. And I think for everybody, like you're saying, Greg, it's it's a time to check out and and slow down a little bit, and, and hopefully we're using this time as you are with your family, but also really connecting with yourself. You know, I think a lot of people are either retraining that sense of perspective is really, really helpful, you know, because it's just kind of we're all on that rat, uh, rat wheel going round and round. So let me Absolutely. ask you. Let me ask you this question. Um, so, for you, you know, being uh, in movies, and I think you had like what six hundred commercials you've been in. Yeah, I mean, I, I lost track at some some point in that number, so I think it's well <laughs> beyond that at this point. So, um, one of the things, what's going on in the, the film business with COVID? Um, you know, is everything on hold, you know, given social distance or kind of what, how is that part going? Yeah, I've been, I've been checking in with producers and, and some of my stunt coordinator friends and directors and basically everything's been put on hold. So particularly with California, I know there's, there's a few things that are being filmed outside of California or just getting ready to get started again um i've definitely looked over a lot of storyboards and talked through some creative and so people are planning i think they just nobody has a real a real actual date on when we get back to work okay and so um this is just some some interesting questions you know we'll get to kind of the peak performance stuff but so do you have an agent uh like how how do how do you hear about things is it do they call you directly because you've been in the field for a while or that's predominantly what it is. So having having been in the business now for for getting close to thirty years, wow. generally I'll get a call either if it's a commercial from somebody at the agency or somebody from the production company directly from a stunt coordinator that I work with or potentially from the director. So it kind of comes in different different directions. I'm actually part of the top uh, driving team, which is Drivers Inc. And so which is a fun one to look up, DriversInc.com. 
And so we really work together as a team. If I'm double booked or triple booked, I'll call call guys from my team first. And obviously, yeah. if we have jobs with multiple drivers, we try and get each other on. But for the most part, it's a call directly to myself. I don't actually have an agent, and uh, um, which is a blessing at times. And sometimes I hear some of my actor friends and. It's nice that they have their agent out there hustling for them. So when I'm here sitting at Lake Avenue, I could still actually be chasing down work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're at our first break. And so when I come back, we'll we'll talk a little bit of how you got into the business, and then we'll kind of walk through, you know, some of the aspects about how you prepare for that. So uh, we'll be right back. This is Leadership Development News, and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Greg. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're just kind of getting going, talking with... Uh, Greg uh, Tracy for 30 years has been a uh, professional stuntman and been in a, you know, a variety of movies. You said there's probably over 600 commercials and a bunch of the movies that we'll talk about. So tell me, Greg, um, how, did you, how did you get into the business? Because um, you know, I have a, 
background of, of playing sports and athletics and, and, you know, doing some risk stuff, but nothing like you're doing. So how did that, give us a, an idea of how that kind of got going. Well, like so many people in my industry, it really was family related. So my, my grandfather and grandmother were actually water ski racers. My grandma, I believe, finished third in the world championships at one point and did the Catalina race multiple times. And my dad followed in her footsteps and ultimately started racing motorcycles. And that really, for me, was just a love affair from when I was a little kid. In fact, where we've been staying the last 67 days is some of the first places I learned how to ride. Started riding motorcycles at three. And wow. it just, uh, it was something that, that came fairly natural and I really enjoyed it. Um, my parents were always really, you know, supportive of what I did, but at the same time it was, Hey, if you're going to choose to do something risky, like race motorcycles and you get hurt, there's really no whining and there's no, you know, this is, if you're choosing to do it, just expect that you're going to pay the price here and there for it, which, which I have. <laughs> I mean, I've built so many bones and been so beaten up over the years, but it was always, more about uh, how much time is it going to take before I heal and I can get back on the motorcycle than wow. necessarily the injuries that were happening. It just, just wasn't a part of our life. And my brother, who was also a, a professional racer and really, um, you know, a great, great rider himself on some stunt stuff as well, was the same thing. I mean, multiple broken bones and, you know, reconstructive surgeries, uh, probably 15 or 20 of those. I broke my you back three 15, times, my neck three 15 times. Or 20, so. 15 or 20 surgeries, reconstructive surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My brother probably a, had more of those because he had a couple of really big ones, but we were, for the most part, we were always broken up. Somebody was always on, on crutches or, you know, getting pushed around a wheelchair. So. Oh, now, did you grow up there at Lake Haversu, where you're at now? No, we, yeah, we actually grew up in, in Orange County, but this was kind of our go-to spot. And then oh. at the point where we really were racing full-time, then we weren't up here too much. It was, we were on the road traveling and ultimately out of the motorcycles, one of my best friends, uh, his name is Miles McCoy, was a top motorcycle racer and his dad and, and, and my dad were friends. And so we became friends. Ultimately, Mouse went on to direct Act of Valor, which was a Navy SEAL movie a few years oh. ago. And, yeah. uh, Dust of Glory and a few others. And so I went from motorcycles into cars. I really had just gotten too beat up. I broke my neck in 1986 at the Anaheim Stadium Supercross. And, uh, while I was healing, my dad's like, yeah, we should think about maybe getting in something with a cage. And so that was how the race, the race car part of my career started. And ultimately I really wanted to get into racing Indy cars or Formula One and had some very successful years in open wheel cars. Um, but was injured in 1993 at the night before the Indy 500. I broke my cheeks oh. and nose, it bruised my brain, knocked my teeth out, broke my wrist. And, uh, funny enough, wow. while I was healing up, Mouse called me and said, Hey, you ought to try this stunt business. They're, they need some really good car guys. So that was how it happened. It was really, so, so um, you were, you were racing this for how many years before, uh, you were racing for how many years before you got into doing the stunts? Uh, well, I guess realistically, I mean, as a professional, I turned professional at 15 and really was in the stunt business by 22, 23. So, hmm. uh, okay. I continued really racing professionally. I mean, still, you know, with the Pikes Peak and the other stuff for, for the last, uh, 40, 40, yeah, 37 years. Oh, <laughs> That's crazy. Well, so let me ask you a couple of these questions. So if you had to kind of say, What's maybe the one thing you learned from your dad, one thing you learned from your mom? It's kind of an interesting question because it kind of crystallized. You know, if you something they said or something you kind of got from them, what would you say that is? 
Well, I, you know, I would say that my mom and dad are really on the same page in so many ways that people always get a kick out of okay. what an amazing couple they are. There's so much love for each other, but they've really almost become one person in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's kind of a combination of compassion and, and really being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I feel like that's benefited, benefited me a lot okay. and my family in terms of how we deal with stress. Yeah. Also, um, panic and, and fear were never, were never kind of really allowed. So, um, I think a lot of who I've become has developed out of that. So, Okay. I don't think I've ever seen my dad panic in any situation. Uh, it's always so, figuring out a solution so a to the problem quickly. Yeah, so say a little bit about that, because that's kind of kind of getting us into kind of the emotional piece and stuff. So, like, what? So, panic and fear, and and you said both of them were um, water skiers. They did water skiing, right? That was one of the main right. things they did. So, so how like? What what was they either said or did that you kind of saw that you don't let panic and fear it's not allowed? So how did it like? Was that a message? Yeah, or? So the, and that might even sound a little bit harsh. The not allowed part, but it, it was really more about if this is what you're going to decide to do, then you had to commit to it, and you had to understand that there was potential risk. Um, the risk went along with it, so you had to weigh, you know, the risk to the reward part. If it meant that much to you, and you were willing to take the risk, then you know, jump in with full commitment and, uh, and get it done. So, um, we had a lot of, a lot of that growing up and funny enough, I had a, a moment. I'll just go back to a quick story from here at, on the lake. A couple of days ago, we were out, uh, very late at night, kind of really run until the sun was going down, getting ready to head back. And we had, um, the wind pick up it was 25, 30 miles an hour. And we were in the middle of, of a pretty good sized cliff on both sides of the, of the river. And the motor broke. And, uh, my 11 year old son instantly got super scared. Um, but it was one of those times of where, okay, I asked my wife, we called a friend right away that we, we knew wasn't too far ahead. Um, very quickly tried to figure out which way the boat was going to blow. What was I going to need to do to make sure that we weren't up on the rocks? What can I do to fix the motor? So it's really like, okay, a, a situation happens that instantaneously is scary. You have to come up with a, fairly quick and decisive idea of what you're going to do next. And yeah. if panic sets in, you know, you generally, when people panic, they either do the wrong thing or they do nothing. And uh, so for me, that was a, was one of those times when we got back and my son said, ah, I, was, I was so scared. I thought we were going to die on the boat. And and uh, and we, we sat down and we talked about panic and, you know, solutions and Rather than going to that place, trying to find the place of, uh, you know, where you're going to fix the problem. Yeah, so that's great. So let me let me just mention that kind of model that we have in our book, Emotional Brilliance, that we're kind of working with. You know, there's a lot of models around what do you do with emotions, but the, it's the acronym of name, notice. And so you kind of notice probably whatever the fear was going on. But it really, this idea of A is accept, uh, M is, is manage it, and then E is express it. So, um, and I imagine you've been in a lot of those situations, you know, being a stunt driver. What, any tips about how you accept it? You know, it, it's there, and uh, like you said, somebody can almost not want to accept the, the what could be panic. Sometimes people reframe it and say, okay, this is just excitement. Um, so, like, any, any things that you end up doing around just accepting what is, which could be a lot of panic and fear, but not, not having it paralyze you. 
Yeah, it's, that that is, I think, something for me, and I've thought about that a lot because, funny enough, I really have never considered myself a risk taker in terms of I wasn't the guy that jumped off a roof at a high school party into the pool without first figuring out how far of a jump it was, practicing to see if I could jump that far, figuring out how deep the pool was, and then going for it. You know, I had a lot of people. My brother was probably more the guy that would just jump off the roof into the pool without without figuring uh. out some of those components to it. So for me, even whether it's the stunt business or the, the, the racing, I generally am thinking about what could go wrong beforehand, kind of through the, the beginning all the way through the end and how I might react to a particular situation. You know, something breaking, the, the, the brakes going out or... Um, if the car flips and it doesn't go this way, it goes that way. There's a telephone pole there. What? So you're constantly trying to put all these pieces together. A lot of people just go into things blind and they just let, you know, um, their physical talents or, you know, years and years of expertise get them through it. I think I have a tendency to probably think about what potentially could go wrong and what my adjustment or what my yeah. fix would be for that problem. At, at, at the same time, I think, and that was one thing with, one thing with, with, my parents um, is, is, again, getting back to if it's something you can't fix, you know, you move on. And right. also making decisions relatively quick and being able to live with the decision if it's the wrong decision or recalibrate or go in a different direction. And so, you know, I've definitely had a lot of that in my, in my life, whether it's losing race yeah. car sponsorships or, you know, crashes going wrong or things with business just making a bad decision. But a lot of times, and maybe that goes back to some of the fear stuff is you have to make a decision. You have to, you have to, you have to move. Right. And you move. Uh, that's probably, probably my go-to is usually movement. Huh. Okay. So let me just, I'm going to right. So your, your go-to is kind of do something, but you, but it's already, it's not just something. What's interesting, what you just said, Greg, you've kind of already thought it out. You've kind of, and I imagine kind of the visualization, you kind of visualize everything that you got to do. But it, it, instead of, and especially you're thinking what could go wrong, because I'm wondering, sometimes if you think about what could go wrong, you could stay there, and then in a sense, you're, you, you can easily bring up too vividly what goes wrong. But I imagine you kind of pass through that and are into more of the coping. Here's how I cope with it. So you're not left with what could go wrong. You're kind of left with how am I going to deal with that? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, and then and do you do you actually visualize it? Like, you know, let's say you got a scene in, in a, in a uh, you got to do a stunt. Do you kind of like we know for athletes, you know, you know, which certainly you are in that way, they kind of visualize their whole routine or whatever sport we're thinking about. So you get that muscle memory that you've already kind of pre uh, planned that you pre got through it. Do you, do you do that on some of the stunts? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely do that for sure. At the moment of like, okay, once you've gotten to the point where, for example, the loop, you know, I, I, we, we put probably about six months in building the loop. So it was, almost seven stories high, never been done before. We were going to have two cars going into at the same time. And as that was being built and I was driving from the test facility back to my house, there was a exit that I would get off at and there was an eight story hotel there. And every single time for six months, two, three times a day, sometimes 
as I would be getting off on that turn, I'd be looking over at the building and counting up to the seventh floor and visualizing, wow, that's really high. Like, I do not want to crash from seven stories straight to the ground. Um, and so, but ultimately when, you know, it gets to the point of you're going to actually go for it. I mean, I'd spent, you know, certainly thousands of times thinking about how I was going to have my hands on the wheel, you know, how I was going to breathe on the entrance and, um, what it was going to feel like to go through it. So the first time that I did it was pretty close to what my, my expectations were. And this is what you're talking about, what you got the award of the Guinness World Records, driving a life-size Hot Wheel through a seven-story loop. So maybe, what's the, what is the, what's the loop look like? I know I got the seven stories. What's the, what it's like to loop? Yeah, so it was basically, I mean, if you think about the Hot Wheels toy loop, which, of course, probably just about every kid's played with, the orange track and just a perfect circle loop, and you car gets shot by a little device and goes on the track through the loop, that's... That's basically what it was, but it was it was again seven stories high, and um, it was called the but double loop because you had two tracks going into one. So it was actually a friend of mine, Tanner Faust, another stunt stunt driver, race car driver, that was the other other driver in the in it, and we raced into the loop together and came out the yeah. other side. And uh, so, if someone wanted to see that, uh, is it on YouTube somewhere? Or yeah, I, uh, absolutely. I think if you if you look up uh, X Games. Hot Wheels Loop. There's probably uh, multiple things to look at there. There's some interesting videos and things that were shot beforehand, kind of on the making of it, um, including the the initial test car that we ran through, which was a drone car that actually crashed the day before I did it for the wow. first time for real. And um, so that was again so one of those moments. I, my dad was with me to watch this car crash, um, and he he said, so "I don't know what you're paying you for this, but it's not worth so, it." So yeah. Yeah, Greg, I'm just kind of, kind of tease out some of these things. So how did you, how did you process that? So you, for six months or so, sounds like you were in training for this, right? Practicing right. it. And then the day before, uh, a non-man car crashed. Right. So how so did we you, basically, how did you, yeah. how did you process that? Like, what did you do with that information? Or how did you make, you know, because well, the next day you went and did it, right? You're right. So that particular one, the six months was really in the building phase. So there was no, no testing or driving on it until the actual day that, 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 uh, okay. we did it with the test car. So we had built the net that was going to be a catcher, uh, which was some idea of some safety in case he came off the rail. We had a identical car that was on man that a, a professional drone driver was going to drive through the loop and he went into it. It, Came off the top, didn't get caught by the net, hit the ground. Certainly would have been probably something you would have been killed in if it, if I had been in the car. Um, and at that point, we had one day to make a decision for ESPN and for the build uh, for it to even happen. We had to we had to show that we could do it the next day. So um, it just so happened that that next day was my my son was graduating from elementary school and my daughter was graduating from kindergarten. So I had two graduations to go to in the morning, and uh, and then from there back to, to test this thing for the first time. So, of course, so that night I didn't get any sleep. And Oh, okay. Um, yeah, let's, let's, take a, let's take a break, and, and I want to come back and kind of pick your brain a little bit more yep. about this because this is pretty fascinating. So uh, this is Leadership Development News. Stay with us. We'll hear the rest of this story as soon as we come back. it 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Greg Tracy, a professional uh, stuntman. We're talking about what he won the Guinness World Book of Records for, and we're kind of breaking down this um, uh, activity that he did. And so, Greg, you were saying that you saw a crash, and then between, like, take kind of walk us through, how did you make sense of seeing the car crash, unman one, and then you had to basically, within, you know, less than a day, you know, go do it. So how did you process that when you saw a crash and, and make sense of that? Well, when it actually happened, I was standing with my dad, and we watched the car go to the top, the on-man car, and crash, and my dad looked over at me and he said, I don't know how much they're paying you to do this, but uh, you're probably not getting enough. And we went and looked did, at did it. You, you know, I, did you guys laugh at ultimately, that? Yeah, I got a little bit of a laugh out of it, but then, of course, it kind of, you know, the, yeah. the seriousness of it hits pretty quick. And I went and walked it. I actually walked the loop. I walked where, watched, you know, looked at what the car had, had, had done, where it had hit, where I saw tire marks, and really made just an educated decision that um, it was a pilot error in a way that drone driver couldn't feel when the car was up against the rail. And uh, and put too much steering input into it, which shot it off. Once it was at the top, where there was no rail, 
easy to, you know, that, that was really a, a best guess, I guess, in a way, and just from all the yeah. years of experience. And funny enough, that, that whole process of going through that particular loop, and we did a world record jump, uh, Tanner did a world record jump for Hot Wheels that same year, um, was really kind of the end in a lot of ways of like the analog. I mean, I feel like I grew up in analog and moved into digital and, you know, it was sort of cowboy stuntman by feel, look at it. Okay. I think that's about the speed we need to go. Uh, I think now we're, we're moving in with a lot of stunts, although there's still a lot of that as well, where things need to be a little more thought out, a little more, maybe even data driven. Um, and obviously you can do a lot of, a lot of that design work and stuff, CAD and things like that. But again, at the end of the day, you still have to ultimately right. just sort of, Go so for now, it and, and go on instincts. So, so now you're it's the next day, and you're going to actually do do the uh, I guess the stunt or the uh, what do you call it? I guess it's a stunt. Um, yeah. You know, so you're actually you're actually going to go do it. What are you saying to yourself as you're kind of driving there, and you know, you got kind of what just happened the day before? What are you telling yourself? Yeah, well, that particular one. I mean, I think that the the craziest part, of what, which I was just uh, speaking about before the break, was that. Um, I had two kids that were graduating their particular one out of kindergarten and one right. out of elementary school. And that hadn't hit me until that night when I went to bed and kind of kissed them goodnight and, and then really thought about the idea that, wow, I could go, go to their graduation tomorrow and I could actually go get really hurt or killed later in the day. I mean, what would that do their their education and some of those things? So it really went, it really hit home more from that family perspective. Yeah. Um, but I felt, I felt confident with what I had seen and what I knew you know, my, my abilities that I would at least be able to get through it relatively unscathed. I thought I'd be able to, to make a better go at it. And so we went down there and I went and did the graduation stuff and just kept up a good face and, uh, went, hopped in the car. And again, this, that movement point that I talked about, sort of my, my go thing is all the nerves and everything. I'm ready to go and kind of running through it in my head again. And, uh, the, uh, coordinator was going to give me a 10 count and on, on uh, one, I would take off. And um, I believe on seven or eight, I actually dropped the clutch and took off to do it. I was ready to do it. I wasn't waiting any longer and went through and managed to pull it off that time. Semi unconscious. Actually, as I came through the other end with the seven and a half G's that I experienced at the, at the peak. Um, wow. Um, and so you're sitting in the car and you're about ready on the countdown. What, what are you, what are you telling yourself? I mean, it sounds like you're kind of saying, you know, earlier on, I'm ready. Um, it was, um, pilot error. I'm not going to do that. I can do this. I mean, like, you know, is there kind of a self statement that you say, you know, that's standard for you? Like, yeah. you know, I'm ready. Let's, let's go do it. Uh, what is it? I think for me, it's um, personally, and this is probably a lot of it, getting back to that like 10,000, you know, you hear people talk about 10,000 times before you become an expert at something. I think right. that's the same way, at least for me with my emotional state is because it is something that I'm doing on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, you've got 200 people watching you and it might be something simple like pulling up and trying to hit a mark uh, in a car for a commercial, for example, you know, that you have to be, can't be one inch back or one inch forward. And, you know, not that that's risk per se, but you have 250 people watching you. They're trying to move on to the next shot. This is what you right. do for a living. You got to get it done. Um, so I have a lot of moments like that where you're, you're really in, in the limelight, so to speak, and you, right. you have to get it done. So in a lot of ways for me, I think that that's, because I've been doing it so long, it's become somewhat natural, and I can certainly understand that 10,000 times to yeah. that expertise. Sure. But, again, it's always, 
for me, the moment that I go, the second that I let the clutch out or the second that I, you know, take the step off, um, everything goes calm. And, you know, probably a combination of years and years of practice and visualizing it so heavily uh, beforehand and the potentials that could go wrong and, of course, the potentials that could go right. That's definitely what happened with the, with the loop. I mean, I was, I was ready bef- well before uh, they right. were ready. And I just wanted at that at a certain point too to just to get it get it over with. Just do it. So so and a lot of times you, you kind of think about you know that adrenaline is probably I'm sure for you, um, you know, and people can feel like you mentioned the word you know panic. Um, often that reframe this is a psychological piece is changing that to I'm just excited or I'm revved up. I mean, it, you're we're all interpreting what's going on in our body, and you can interpret it as panic. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Versus, okay, I gotta go. This is this is it's just energy in the body, and just that change. And this is in our model of um, name, accept, manage. Is managing kind of how you're looking at it. This is excitement. This is thrilling. This is you know adrenaline versus oh, this is panic. Absolutely, I think that's a brilliant way to look at it, and I for sure have those moments. And you know, a lot of times, even when things go wrong, you have a very short window to make a pretty, pretty, you know, important decision. And uh, so that reframe really helps in those moments. So, yeah, so so maybe walk us through kind of what, I don't know if this was the scariest or one of the scariest things or where you, or where, you know, sometimes we're calling these, you know, brilliant in the moment where you had to make a decision, like you said earlier, you got to just move and do it. Is there something that stands out, like in the moment, you just went, to, you made a decision, either it was the right thing you did or how you moved, but it was just at the right time you did the right thing and it all worked out right. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, the, the preparation part and any time, especially, you know, whether it's taking risk. I mean, I always, uh, for me, if I get something wrong, I mean, it can be very physically, you know, disastrous. So it can hurt a lot. And, you know, I use that a lot of times with my, my other business life of, hey, you know, the worst, you need need to ask for the sale. Worst that can happen is they can say, no, I'm not going to end up. Uh, crumpled up on the side of the road, trying to breathe with broken teeth and broken ribs, you know? So um, at the same time, probably for me, I have definitely had two moments that, uh, that I absolutely am a hundred percent sure I would have been killed had I not made the right decision. One was at Pike's peak uh, in a testing crash where I crashed at about 115, 20 miles an hour and was sliding head first towards a, a sandstone wall. Um, that was probably only about 60 or 70 feet out. And as I'm sliding headfirst towards it, I remembered seeing something on, on television about these ice climbers that would, uh, when they were sliding down, they would dig their elbows in to spin themselves around. And um, and that's what I did. I put my elbow elbow into the asphalt and it spun me around and I went in legs first, um, which ended up breaking my hip and a couple vertebrae in my lower back which obviously wouldn't have been too good on my head if had I gone in head first. But it was wow. a moment of, of yeah. It was, and, you know, and I don't know if that's just from from so many years of, of being at that peak adrenaline moments. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah. they, you know, you hear people talking about it becoming, it's only, it's like all of a sudden that one second feels like five minutes and you have all these opportunities to make decisions that's heightened through your adrenaline or through your decision-making. But 
I think it works the same way for me. I've had those business moments, and it's funny now that I've moved into some other stages of my life with business, and um, that same feeling that I've had getting ready to do something, you know, that's particularly dangerous, uh, that's exciting, and that movement of like, all right, let's just go, the, the go moment. I found like walk, you know, in in, in uh, corporate boardrooms where we're trying to raise money, or you know, I'm trying to make something happen for the business that's uh, critical, and that's a that's a pretty great moment. It's the same thing now. It's almost like I get more excitement out of some of those moments than I than I do out of just the straight up stunt wow. stuff. And 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 so in those moments, as you're saying, the crystallize that go to, it's like okay, I'm on, let's go, and you kind of just go into you go into action. It's it's, it's you said it's not necessarily a risk, but it's really calcul. It's already calculated, so the risk part of it is minimized because you're prepared, you've calculated, you visualized it, and then it sounds like you know that whole thing is like, I'm ready, let's go. You know, I'm seeing that visual metaphor. Let me let go of the clutch, and we're going. You let go of the clutch, and boom, yeah. you know, you're you're out. <laughs> right. So that, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you know, and I think what it's so great, really. And I, I know when we had our first conversation, I just was so intrigued by what you were doing and what you were talking about. And it was just so brilliant. It seemed so right on. And it really, you know, it's, it's funny because I'll, I'll talk with brands or they're asking about the stunt stuff for the risk thing. And really it's the same thing. I mean, we're all doing the same thing. It might, it's yeah. risk is it's, it's what you're feeling in the moment and it's what you're willing to accept as, you know, the, the yeah. negative side or whatever. For some people, it might just be going into the boardroom or going to ask their boss for, for, uh, right. uh, you know, a raise. Um, and that's scarier yeah. than me going and jumping a car off of a cliff. Yeah. So, it's, it's, you know, it's, for me, risk and boundaries are really kind of in the same league, and it's really just about pushing your boundaries a little bit. So, right. you know, hey, so first time off a five-foot diving board, it's pretty scary. Somebody who's done yeah. it a thousand times is going off a hundred foot, right? So, um, but it's about about your start so if yep. if your if your max is being able to go ask your boss for a raise hey you got to just go for it and then um you know next cat time you can ask for a promotion this is great greg and I'm, you're making some nice connection for people who aren't you know uh, riding a motorcycle or, or a car and stuff but it's the same thing and it's the same action and i hear you saying just go to it so we're going to take our 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 last break and then we'll we'll be right back you listen to leadership development news it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. 
Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness, and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL, or return on leadership. You can, too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you're truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Uh, tools for top performers. We're talking... Uh, with Greg Tracy, a top performer, professional stuntman. Greg, what's your uh, Instagram, if people want to kind of follow you? Yeah, Instagram is GT555, so at GT555. Okay. And so one of the things that may be helpful, um, Ford and Fiori, you know, uh, we just saw that recently, and I remember you were telling me about how that was done. And, and just during a break, I was saying, you know, you are the macho man, where Matt Damon's kind of playing the macho man, you know, in, in racing. How did, maybe how does that go? Again? How does that interaction go where, you know, you're being him, but uh, you're, you're doing what's, what is the perceived more dangerous thing? So what's that dynamic like? You know, actually, it's pretty interesting. And surprisingly enough, I think with, especially in the last 10 years, where I've predominantly been working on sort of more of the A-list movies with the big guys like Dwayne Johnson and uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, et cetera. Uh, those guys actually are very, very physically talented. And I think a lot of them bring, bring that aspect to their, their acting as well. So, you know, Matt does a fair amount of driving and, you know, I've seen, seen Dwayne Johnson do a ton of his stuff and uh, same with, with Christian Bale or, you know, several guys definitely have worked with guys that that's not their, their thing. Um, but a lot of those action packed type movies, they, they actually would probably like to do more than what the producers will allow them to do because obviously they can't, they can't have their, you know, multi million dollar uh, actor break an ankle, uh, doing something right. that a stunt guy can do. So is there, I mean, do you, yeah. given you're together a lot, is there just that kind of collegiality? Like, you know, someone on a sports team, like you're saying, we're all in this together and go get them, brother. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you for sure have have some of that. Um, and on a lot of the big stuff, they'll be standing around to check it out or watch it. And um, Matt's always been a real, really a neat guy and cool guy. In fact, there's a funny scene that happened in the movie that um, I was just, watching over watching what he was doing i set set the it was just a simple shot of a car pulling up to an to another actor and matt was going to be driving it so they set the cameras having me drive up to it so it's kind of at speed and it was on polished concrete so it's one of those things that you know just keeping an eye on him so he doesn't slide into to the actor and so i was watching matt and he kept um pushing the limits a little farther and farther and farther and 
finally felt like, ah, boy, I need to go over and say something to him. So I went over and said, hey, just a reminder that concrete's polishing is kind of coming in kind of hot. He's like, well, I'm supposed to be drunk in this scene. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's right. I, I forgot I had read that in the script. So it was actually a point where the character he's playing, Carol Shelby, he's had too much to drink, he's upset, and he's coming in. So Matt was actually just driving accordingly. So he, he, he was uh, the completely role. under yeah. control. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> So before we end, like, what, so what are you most proud about? You know, and it could have been some of the Pikes Peaks awards that you had. I mean, you had 19 times. Like, when you look back, you know, at this point, you get, you still got a good career in front of you. What are you most proud about? Probably, um, at the end of the day, surprisingly, I love the wins, and I can remember all of them a lot better than I can remember the second place or third place uh, runs, but... One of the bigger ones of what I mentioned earlier was when I had broke my back and my hip the week before Pikes Peak, and I actually I did that race the following week and uh, wow. didn't let anybody know how hurt I was. Um, I was actually unconscious. I had no memory the first few days. But it was one of those ones, again, I put so much effort into it, and I, I knew we were going to break the 10-minute mark. And In fact, I got second at that race to my teammate, uh, but we both, both broke the 10-minute mark, and we were very close. Uh, <clears throat> and and so on that one, I, I mentioned to you, my wife's from Colorado Springs, and so you just go from the bottom yeah. of Pikes Peak all the way up. Uh, and how fast are you going, you said? Yeah, it's 156 turns, 12 and a half miles, and I think my top speed that year was right around 160. So 160? you're sliding on the edge of cliffs, and um, it's a very scary place. A lot of things can happen if you get it wrong. 150 turns, you said? Okay. Yeah, 156. Wow. All right, well, so uh, we're going to end here. We may, Greg, maybe have you back sometime when Kathy's available too, but this is really good. I, I really appreciate taking the time. It's nice to kind of unpack, you know, just the heightened emotions, and you can kind of see, hopefully, for our listener, that, you know, for you, you, it's very calculated. It's not some kind of, you know, crazy risk thing, but, you know, all your preparation there now. So thanks so much for being a part of this. We really appreciate it, and uh, I'll, I'll let you know kind of when this will uh, will air so you'll get a chance to hear it. Yeah, sounds great, really. Uh, likewise, appreciate it. It was great getting to meet you and getting the opportunity to talk with you and hear about all the cool things you're doing. Oh, good. Well, all right. All right. Well, thanks. So this is Leadership Development News. You know, continue to tune in to tune up your performance, and we'll talk to you again. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.